This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York, New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. The front line this week is undoubtedly ADL's annual audit of anti-Semitic incidents. The 2021 figures were just released, and they paint a disturbing picture of the state of anti-Semitism in this country. Today's show will delve into those numbers, but will also offer a behind-the-scenes look at the audit and how it is compiled. ADL's Center on Extremism produces the audit, so I have asked the Center's director, Oren Siegel, to join me on today's show. Oren has been on before, so I will say welcome back, Oren, too, from the front lines. Thank you, Scott. Good to be back. So my regular listeners know that I am impatient and often want to get right to the punchline. What is the headline of this year's audit of anti-Semitic incidents? The headline is a a troubling one. Um, In 2021, ADL documented 2,717 anti-Semitic incidents throughout the United States, which is actually an average of more than seven incidents per day. And it was a 34% increase. From 2020, making it the highest year on record since ADL began tracking anti-Semitic incidents over 40 years ago. That's a, a shocking rise, and uh, I know uh, it's it's really not a normal year-to-year increase. H- help us break down the audit. W- what are the categories that you use to uh, to look at those 2,717 incidents? Our audit is broken down into three main categories: uh, vandalism. Uh, harassment, um, and assaults. And, you know, not all of the incidents that we include um, are hate crimes per se, but some of them are. And of all the troubling data uh, that makes up the 2021 audit, perhaps the most troubling is that assaults uh, considered the most serious of incident because it involves physical violence uh, along with anti-Semitic animus it increased 167% from the previous year. Um, and, and that, I think, is a continuation of other violent trends that we've seen over the past couple of years, but of particular concern. Very concerning. How many assaults are we talking about? So a total of 88 assaults were reported in 2021, which is up from 33 the previous year. Oh, that's a, a huge jump, and obviously each one of those people attacked for the crime of simply being a Jew. That's right. That's right. So let's delve into the reasons for this increase. Uh, the Israel-Hamas conflict last May, I know, resulted in a huge spike in anti-Semitic incidents. To, to what extent does that account for the increase? It's a big part of the increase. It's not the only reason. Uh, but for your listeners, obviously during May of, of last year, the military conflict between Israel and Hamas, there was a 148% increase in reports of incidents compared to the previous year, right? The same period of time the previous year. And, and this not only included some of the assaults that we talked about, um, but really demonstrated um, in a way just what happens when there's such an intensity over a short period of time of incidents. You know, I look back a couple of years and the number of incidents that occurred in uh, May of last year, 387 were the most in at least 52 months, probably longer. I just didn't spend as much time there. And so this was really a moment where if you're looking on a graph, it just jumps off the page. 
Another reason, and I think this is the good news, bad news, is that ADL has uh, established partnerships with a variety of organizations, all of which are now reporting incidents to ADL, right? So the better coordination with Jewish institutions and organizations in terms of reporting resulted in an increase. Now, I will say that was about responsible for about 18% increase, even without these new streams of reporting, it still would have shattered records for an all-time high. But uh, it's worth noting because it shows not only that some additional reporting is coming in, but that there is organizational cohesion between organizations that care about anti-Semitism. You know, maybe let's take an even further step back because, uh, you know, if we go back to 2013, we're talking about numbers uh, around uh, 750 so the jump from 750 to over 2,700 is, is really enormous. There are, there are longer-term factors at play here. Maybe outline some of those. One of the big changes that we have seen is where are anti-Semitic ideas and narratives and themes incubated in the first place? And, and obviously I'm referring to various online spaces. You can't necessarily trace every incident to some, you know, uh, channel online or some trope that is circulating. But in many ways, the normalization of anti-Semitism in online spaces um, has to some degree played a role. We know the impact of online spaces in the real world. Um, At the same time, part of uh, what we've seen is also an increase in extremist-related anti-Semitic incidents, right? Whether it's flyers or banners or stickers posted on synagogues, or in, in other spaces that are um, animated by their anti-Semitic messages. You know, this is a tactic that extremists are increasingly using. That's another reason and something that has grown over the past several years as well. Are you seeing uh, any relief in 2022, or are we already off to a, a bad start? I mean, listen, we're, 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 we're off to a pretty bad start. Um, there's no way around it. I mean, you know, this is not an audit that comes out that, you know, purely reflects what happened last year. I mean, you know, there has been, uh, you know, Orthodox community targeted by a car ramming in Lakewood, New Jersey. The year began with a hostage taking at a synagogue in Colleyville. So we know that, you know, some of the issues that animated this rise last year continue to play out in 2022. Okay, in a moment, I'm going to move from the national perspective to a more local and and more personal one. But before doing so, Orrin, can you tell the listeners where they can find the full audit report? I think the easiest way is to go to ADL.org, and the report is available right on the front. And, you know, that is the, the best way to find the full report with the analysis. I will also quickly say we have a heat map which uh, you're able, as a listener or user, to go and look for incidents that have occurred in your city, in your town, in your state, if you like, and compare it to previous years. And that's at adl.org backslash heat map. Thanks very much, Oren. The report shows that ADL responded to incidents in all 50 states, but if we look across the nation, no state has more anti-Semitic incidents than right here in New York, home to the WVOX studios and New Jersey is a very close second. I, I'd now like to invite Alex Rosenberg uh, to, to uh, join us. He is the Deputy Regional Director for ADL's office covering New York and New Jersey. Uh, welcome, Alex, too, from the front lines. Hi, Scott. 
Thank you for having me. So how many incidents are we talking about in New York and New Jersey? So we're talking about 786 incidents between the two states. That's 416 incidents in New York and roughly 370 incidents in New Jersey. Are those uh, high figures for the, those two states? Those are also historical figures for, for the two states, Scott. And, and the more concerning one is the proportion of the national assaults that actually happened right here. We're talking about the fact that 64% of the 88 assaults that Oren mentioned before happened right here. 57 assaults between New York and New Jersey, 51 in New York, and the other six in New Jersey. Give, give us an example of what those assaults looked like. You may be talking about a Orthodox man standing in a corner and being shot by a BB gun, for example. You may be talking about um, the other incident that Oren mentioned, the car ramming uh, that happened only last uh, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, and it may be children being slapped uh, as young as three or four years old uh, by somebody walking in the street and calling them, uh, you know, by certain names and tropes, for example. And these generally are uh, people that you could identify as Jews? Uh, a very large proportion of them are people that either are get, wearing a religious garb of some kind or a kippah, yarmulke. Um, so, yes, um, most definitely. Uh, and, and sometimes, by the way, it happens with people wearing a, a sweater of the Israel Defense Forces uh, or a Star of David of some kind. So not necessarily all Orthodox, Hasidic, or Haredi, but a very large proportion of them. But still something to identify them. In that case, I recall that case that happened in Brooklyn, which actually is where a large number of these cases happened. 34 of the assaults happened in Brooklyn, uh, 12 in Manhattan, and, and the rest are, are, are spread out. Uh, there are certain clusters, by the way, of, of incidents along the region, uh, and, and six counties in total account for about 47% of the total incidents. That's Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, uh, in, in New York specifically, and then Middlesex County, Bergen County, uh, and Ocean County in New Jersey. All counties with a significant Orthodox Jewish population. Um, let, let's take a step back and talk about what makes up the audit. This is not a survey of Jews across the country and their experiences with anti-Semitism. It's, it's actually a reflection of the day-to-day -day incident response work of ADL, the day-to-day -day work that, that you do and your team does. Can you walk us through that incident response work? It starts in two different ways. We may have somebody reporting an incident to us uh, using ADL.org forward slash report incident, or we may have our team monitoring social media, the news cycle, uh, colleges, universities, our partners uh, may be referring these incidents to us. And the moment they come in, uh, we spring into action, depending, obviously, on a triage scale. We almost work like an ER room, if you think about it that way. And we assess very quickly the severity of the incident that we're talking about, whether it may rise to the level of a criminal offense or not, whether we need to contact law enforcement immediately, and which of the team members needs to mobilize, depending on the portfolio that we're 
actually uh, referring to, whether it's a college incident or whether it's something affecting, affecting the Orthodox community or whether it's something in New York or something in New Jersey, there are different team members that have these portfolios uh, apportioned to them. And then they, they spring into action. They call our partners. They figure out what can be done. They figure out how we can advocate on behalf of the victim uh, and, more importantly, try to procure solutions, if need be, for, for the victim uh, if something can be done. So you mentioned about assaults, but give us an example of another type of incident and how you may respond maybe in a school or, or a different kind of setting. Uh, so something very interesting. One of the most frequent types of incidents that we get is people getting harassed online. So the first thing we do is we ask the constituent whether they've already reported the online incident to the platform that it happened on. If not, we send them something we call the Cyber Safety Action Guide, which is something our Center for Technology and Society has put together. Uh, and it has manuals on how to report these incidents directly to the platform. If the platform doesn't respond satisfactorily, then they, the, the constituent is urged to come back to us, and we advocate on behalf of the constituent in front of the, um, in front of the platform so that the incident can be addressed or a person may be blocked or some content may be taken down. Uh, another type of incident at a school, for example, we may have an incident where uh, there's, there's some sort of harassment or bullying happening at a school. The, the first thing we do is, depending on whether we have the constituent coming directly to us or we hear about it over the news, is call into the superintendent, call into the principal, and figure out how we can partner with the school in order to address the issue. So that also entails partnering with our education team and having them offer programming to improve the school climate. Because our philosophy is that wherever there is an incident, there probably is an issue related to school climate as well that needs to be addressed. So both go hand in hand, and our regional operations team, which is the team that I had in our office, and the education team uh, join hands and join forces and address the issue as best we can. Uh, and sometimes we're able to go very, very far. So you're really like a one-stop shop, no matter what the uh, the incident is. And, and actually, I want to highlight, you had given a, uh, a URL, adl.org forward slash report incident, which is a, the place that uh, listeners can go to if they unfortunately encounter an anti-Semitic incident or, or hear of, uh, of one anywhere across the country. Um, you can just put it in there, and we'll put that in the show notes. So, uh, you know, you do this day-to-day work. And it's the day-to-day work of, of 24 other offices of ADL across the country. How does that eventually make its way into this audit? We have a myriad of cases that never make it into the audit. Our office alone addresses 1,800 or more incidents a year. And of those, 786 made it into the audit, which means that the Center on Extremism that Oren heads relies on the assessment of the regional office to determine whether the incident rises to the level that it crosses the line into anti-Semitism, and then they do a second-level review. So we have an IT system in the office that allows us to upload pictures, files, narratives. Everything is put together and uploaded and reviewed, uh, and then a full analysis is done on the data um, so that we can have this robust set of data that you see before you with the audit. Uh, So it's a very intricate system, but at the end of the day, something that I would say is that the audit is made up of all of these 
thousands of interactions that we have with people who have been targeted individually for the mere fact that they're Jewish. Yeah, it, it seems actually like a fairly unique way of assessing anti-Semitism, really very particular to, uh, to ADL's work. And it is about helping people ultimately. Helping people who've been the victims of hate day in and day out must take its toll. Uh, what, what motivates you to do this work? It does take its toll. Let's start with that. Um, there is a adrenaline and Pavlovian reaction that one gets when our phones come off and we get an email that says case notification on, on the uh, notification pan of, of, of the phone specifically. But also, I think from a personal level, I want to create a world where my children don't need to move to a different country than their parents uh, were born in because of our historical shared experience that way. I come from a family where uh, for at least four straight generations, children have had to leave the country where their parents were born and, and where they were born. Um, and so I think that's something we want to avoid. Uh, we we want to create that sense of attachment and of belonging uh, in the countries that we live in. Yeah, and of course, uh, you you yourself needed to move and uh, and feel that very personally. Absolutely. Um, I, am, uh, I was born in, in Caracas, Venezuela, believe it or not. So, yes. Uh, I had to do that in three generations before me uh, as well, all the way back to places that I can't even trace. Uh, it must be uh, very, very gratifying to do this work. Uh, thank you, Alex, uh, to you and uh, to your team for all that you do all year to help people. And, of course, thank you for being on today's show. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Of course, I want to say thank you very much to Oren Siegel, the director of ADL's Center on Extremism, uh, for all that the center does, and, and of course for laying out the disturbing details of this year's uh, ADL audit of anti-Semitic incidents across the United States. So thanks very much, Oren. Uh, and a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Uh, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is fighting hate for good. <laughs>